Welcome to See Me After Class. This is a podcast by two New Zealand secondary school teachers based in the Southern Alps of New Zealand. We operate out of classrooms that look out over the most stunning mountain ranges in the bottom of the South Island. And it's my pleasure to introduce Renee Plunkett, who is a fourth year English teacher. And sitting here with me is Chris War, a teacher with 17 years under his belt from both overseas and here in New Zealand. And Renee, apart from being a teacher, is also an avid gardener. And Chris also enjoys triathlon. This podcast is about the day-to-day realities and joys and sometimes horrors of our teaching experience in the classroom. So we invite you to listen in and we invite you to give us feedback on what you hear. This is... See me after class. Hello to you and welcome along to week six, term four and episode 33 of See Me After Class. And good morning to you, Renee. Hello, Chris. I'm coming to you from the beautiful North Canterbury today. Ah, it's like you're our roving reporter. How's the beautiful North Canterbury? Oh, well, actually, I've got to admit it's pretty grey and cloudy um, up here today. It seems like it has been... A uh, bit miserable around the country this week. It's been raining and horrible hailstorms and things everywhere. But um, no, I'm up with my family this weekend, so um, that makes things better. Nice. Um, I also I understand you're about to have a heat wave, so enjoy that, yes. won't you? <laughs> he is hoping. Yeah. Um, how are you today? Well, oh, I'm good. In fact, speaking of heat waves and all sorts of weather events, there's a there's a drought happening, isn't there? There is very much a drought happening at the moment. Possibly a, not rain related, but you know. No, but it's an English teacher drought, and I feel like in our podcast we've uh, foreshadowed this probably quite successfully by outlining some of the troubles or challenges of the teaching job especially for English teachers and mm. um, it's now looking like it's starting to turn into something that's that 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 would have a would be appropriately described as something like a crisis yes yeah I completely agree I think um, yeah given given the experiences that you know we've we've all had over the last few weeks and in in the vacancies that we have going um at school i think it's it's safe to say that yeah there's definitely a shortage of people coming into the profession with a real true english literature degree behind them yeah well i mean let's sort of look at the circumstances i know that our our closest school but it's over 100 kilometres away, but in the next sort of mountain range in Queenstown, mm. I understand they have three vacancies for English yes. teachers there. We have yes. got a vacancy, as you'll know if you've been listening to our podcast, because Gina and I discussed that last week. We have, it was not the first time that we've advertised this vacancy, no. and the number of applicants is an absolute trickle. It's mm. a, it's interesting to um, contemplate that when you also look at our region, because I had a look and on the, the Teaching Gazette at the, at the jobs in the region, and there are so many English teaching jobs, including head of department jobs, available right now. And when I say right now, what we're talking about is the second last week of the school year. Yes. These jobs start in January and usually you have to give much more notice than this. So the, I, I actually do not know what we're all going to do. I know. It's quite alarming to think that... Um, ourselves, our neighbours across the hill, even I know that um, 
uh, another school further sort of down the road was also looking for an, an English teacher earlier this year. Um, it's it, They just seem to be cropping up everywhere. But I mean, Chris, when you look at um, sort of some of the day-to-day -day realities of teaching English in the... In the um, uh, the the difficulties that sort of or the, or the challenges that come with with the position in that subject field, I don't actually think it's that surprising. No, I don't think it's that surprising either. In fact, I think I, you've probably heard me say that I think it's surprising that people still want to do the job. But mm. I I mean I've often said those things with tongue in cheek, really, and now I'm starting to see the evidence of it and starting to feel concern. I also notice on our national um, list of English teacher colleagues where we communicate and share ideas and thoughts with each other, a number of teachers uh, announcing their resignation from teaching. They're either mm. retiring or yes. leaving into other industries. But quite a large number of people sort of announcing their departure from the profession. And it all seems to be happening alarmingly at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed one just the other day pop up. Somebody's retiring from, from, um, from teaching English. Which, yeah, it's um, it's quite a scary thought. You you know, you, you kind of you, you look through um, as an I guess as an employer, and I'm only theorising because I've never been an employer before. But mm. you know, you'll be looking through these applicants and and searching for someone to put in front of you know your your students who who is going to be suitable and, and they just seem to be getting fewer and further between um yes and we also know because we do it how it takes quite a while to get to the point where you're good at it and yes. it's and and it does take a certain disposition to be good at it in the first place so it isn't just a case of putting anyone with you know a heartbeat in front of the class it, mm -hmm. there has to be a certain level of capacity in that person in order for it to be successful for them and I was thinking about that retirement thing just to add to it a little bit the yeah. the fact like statistical facts are that a lot of our teaching profession is aging and a lot mm -hmm. of them are in that pre-retirement age now and over the next five or so years quite a large number of our colleagues are going to be leaving for retirement and yeah. if there aren't if there aren't fresh new teachers coming through with the opportunity to be mentored and supported into the profession, then there's going to be some pretty serious outcomes, I think. Yeah, I think there are too. And I mean, you know, we were just talking before, I think, um, I, I think there's a grand total of two students from our, our Leavers cohort this year who are off to study some form of English in their degree. Um, and, yeah, and, and that's know, actually something, that, uh, not only is that a small number, but it's actually, in, on another uh, perspective, a big number because yes. we don't usually have that many from our school. We have no. a, quite a number that do English at level three, but so few go into English as a, a, a degree subject when they enter university. And then, of course, I'm thinking about, I, I went down with Charlotte, my co-dean from Year 13 this year, with the Year 13 cohort to Otago University for their university open day. And I went along with great enthusiasm and excitement to the English department presentation. And I expected, because you know I did my English degree at Otago, well, quite some years ago, where we were sitting in lectures of five or six hundred students and mm. uh, that, that we would be in one of those lecture theatres with, you know, five or six hundred eager secondary school students wanting to hear about the English programme. And we were placed in this little 
small, I wouldn't even call it a lecture theatre, a small classroom when there might have been, I would say, perhaps 35 people wow. in there, including the parents and associated adults with the students who, had, who were at it. And that was the people thinking of doing English for the open day for the whole region. And wow. I just thought, what a difference over that time in the number of people stepping into English as a uh, tertiary degree and then we actually need quite a few teachers and in order to, to be able to successfully teach our subject they have to have a good tertiary qualification in the subject and then they're, they're not being produced people with those qualifications aren't now being produced by universities yeah it's interesting because I mean when I, I, I studied at the University of, of Canterbury and um, I didn't start off my degree thinking that English was the road I was going to take but I always took it was sort of my sort of my second subject um, which then became my major as I moved my way through and and just kind of discovered how much I really enjoyed it um, but I didn't have enormous classes either. I think in my fir- in our first year we had reasonably large class sizes, maybe sort of up around the um, two to three hundred mark. But as you sort of trickled down through the program, um, they became smaller and smaller. And I just, I, I just, I completely agree with you. I think that that if you you're going to be really successful in the, in, in English, um, you've got to have that sub subject expert knowledge, um, and it's. Yeah. It's just it's just not something that's pulling people in these days. No, I saw I went to uh, the media studies presentation at that same mm. open day and I've got nothing whatsoever against media studies. I think it's cool and I find it interesting and you know it's obviously not the sort of thing that was even available when I was at university. But it was large. There were a lot of people there. That was that large lecture theatre style presentation. Yes. And I looked at what they were presenting and it was really good material, really interesting uh, examinations of representations of identity and media and the, mm. the notion of fake news and good stuff. But at the same time, I was thinking, goodness me, this is a lot less core than what we would do in an English degree and mm. at this and and therefore in parallel with that a lot less of a strong preparation for the sort of work we do as secondary teachers I mean we've yeah. got to remember that the sorts of things we do alongside the, the the sophisticated literary analysis that we spend a lot of time talking about is we teach people to read and write and yes. speak and listen and I I'm struggling a little bit here at, with the notion that we're losing the capacity to actually deliver that kind of learning, let alone ensure its success in the young people. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there are a lot of questions to be asked around, you know, why students, why people aren't, I guess the word, I guess they're not maybe valuing um, the subject of English as much as maybe they once did. And I don't mean that so much in a high school um, situation because I do believe that we have quite good numbers coming through English and into level three. But once they take that step into the world, you know, um, that they into the into the bigger wider world because school is the world. Sorry, but um, they're not they're not pursuing it as a subject, and I possibly wonder if that is something to do with um, it being seen as maybe not as valuable anymore. Yes, well, I think if you, I mean, I think if you look at the the prospect of a teaching career and all the narratives that go along that, obviously, not many people <laughs> are at, at, at the at the point of leaving school would even contemplate it. No. And and then also. Uh, 
although in my experience with a very quite a pure English degree, it stood me in good stead for all the endeavours of life that I've wanted to pursue. I, I worked in the in, in the business world for the first decade of my life, and I've I've worked in a lot of different domains really, and and always my English degree was was considered with respect and valued, and the capacities that it suggested I had developed were mm-hmm. of use to the organisations I worked for. I um, am starting to think that that dimension of our society is not being valued. The things that an English degree might lead you into, like teaching, are decreasingly mm. well-paid, are decreasingly high in status, and are increasingly untenable in terms of just a working life. And so this is talking much more than just you know English teachers, but some to some extent it's just talking about the direction or the drift that our whole society is going, undergoing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there's, um, yeah, you can you can tell a lot. It's kind of like a litmus test for for where we're at um, on the whole. Mm. And I think you know, I, it's it's tricky because I didn't walk into my degree thinking, oh, I want to be a teacher. It was something I sort of arrived at um, through the process. But but um, it's I think it's something that we have to take a good look at us at our profession and go, well, how how are we going to to make this? viable attractive exciting for people to want to come into and there are some big questions to be answered around that and yes. like I, to be honest i don't really know where we begin with it because it seems like such a huge task right now but it's um it's reaching a critical the, point so i think it's something important that we have to think about yeah i mean we've talked a lot in this podcast about the excitement and the thrill and the fulfillment of the job and we've yes. also talked a lot about how hard it is i would say though that with any change it's slow moving I think the drift into the position we're in now has probably taken a good 20 or 30 years right and so I think we're probably talking about 20 or 30 years of of reversing this drift and you know it's a combination isn't it of increasing the conditions of the workplace to become something that that a person who for example had a family to support would be able to also do Mm. or and and increasing the remuneration and 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 when it comes to changing status of a, a, a domain of of academic pursuit or learning well I wonder if the status of English teachers is about to undergo a little bit of an elevation when people start to see what happens when you don't have enough yes, and when yes. English, say, becomes an optional subject and when mm-hmm. reading and writing becomes something you're lucky to get a chance to learn. If that sort of stuff starts to become the reality of the <laughs> education system, then I have a feeling that English teachers will start to be valued a bit more. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, it sounds like we might be entering a future dystopia style at the moment with the, you know reading and writing um, yeah. as an optional, like, you know, pre- privileged subject thing that you might not actually just get um yeah and 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 i I think it's i don't think it's um extreme to say these things i think that this is actually where things are at i think that you know uh, no i don't think it's extreme at all i mean in our school we elect to make english compulsory right through to the end of level two Uh, and one of the ways to to respond to a lack of 
um, workforce is simply to make the subject optional. And then suddenly you've got, you don't have as many classes that you have to teach. And the the teaching of the classes is easier because the students who are in them are choosing it. And suddenly you're, um, you're dealing with the immediate problem, which is the drought. But what's the consequence? The payoff would be huge, wouldn't it? Imagine Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, there are, there are, there are valuable things in, in education and in every subject, but obviously we're passionate about English and, and the, the skills and, and the um, ability to teach students how to be learners for their entire mm. life in our subject, and I think... Um, yeah, yeah, and, and it's nice for to... us to talk about it in terms of passion, but I think and, uh, it may come across as arrogant to others, but I'd have yeah. to say that whether we're passionate about these things or not, they are actually essentials. They are. Uh, that core to the education system, along with a number of other things, of course, but if these elements of a student's learning through, through the education system started to become um, de- diminished, then I mm. definitely think it's going to undermine the education system as a whole yes. and the outcomes for young people, which I'm mm. a bit terrified by, if I'm honest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris. Yeah, that, think... so on that kind of dystopian oh, note. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think maybe <laughs> we should leave our thoughts here. Um, yeah. yeah, no, well, obviously we've only got. Um, well, essentially, one more week left with our Year 10 classes before they all embark on their camp uh, for the end of the year. Um, and, and from there, um, that'll, be, that'll be the end of, end of it. It'll be the summer holidays in no time. That's right. Two more podcasts in this year's series. And yeah. we're at episode 33 now. I think we can say with quite a lot of pride that we've done well to keep this going. I think so. I think I also quite like the round number of thirty-five to finish the year on. Um, it's 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 been it's been an incredible uh, journey for us. I think to do this together, and I'm really looking forward to kind of wrapping that up over the next couple of weeks for the year. Yes, and I think we you know we'll be looking at uh, deciding how we're going to develop this for next year, and yes. there are some ideas there in the background that we may put into action, and of course we've got some new voices who are going to become more of a regular event in these podcasts so Mm. we look forward to having you our audience here our last couple where we'll start to do a little bit of reviewing of the year as well as talking about what happens at the end of the year and um, also of course as always if you have input or things you'd like to see us do then we'd love to hear from you and you can do that by accessing us via twitter or the email on the podcast webpage or of course you can just comment on the um, reviews section in these podcasts if you want to Mm. Mm, absolutely we'd love to hear from you well Chris I think I'm going to go and uh, and get myself organised for the morning and I'll see you on Monday sounds great this was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris my Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net and mine is at Renee Plunkett too see you next week